Good morning. It's so good to see everybody out this morning. And uh, first, I want to say thank you, uh, well, to everyone for being here, uh, but then also everyone that participate, all the youth and young adults, thank you so much uh, for the part that you had in the service today. Uh, these were not paid actors. Um, these, these are just uh, people that were willing to step in and assist with the worship today. So I think, thank each and every one of you. Shane, standing out at the door, handing out the hymnals. Uh, you look sharp there in your suit. Thank you for doing that. Uh, ben, with the scripture reading. Jan, doing the, the song leading. Sarah at the piano. And then uh, our youth with the choir, uh, Winter Orlando and Blake, to do the offering. So thank you to each and every one of you. But most importantly, thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us the reason to come together and to, to celebrate today. Uh, we come together on Sunday. Uh, hopefully you remember me reminding you this. Most times when I get to preach, we come together on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why we meet on Sunday, the day He rose again. And that gives us the hope of future resurrection, eternal life with God for all who have put their faith and trust in Him. If you have your Bible, please open your Bible to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, and we'll look at verse 11. And just a reminder, whenever we open the Bible, we open the mind of God. This is the Word of God. It's been tested and tried for centuries, and it has been found faithful. But before we get into that verse and the message this morning, just a couple quick reminders. I do want to emphasize again the Christmas presentation. Uh, so please be in prayer for that. We want to get the message of hope of the gospel out to the community. And so if you know of people that will be here uh, that weekend, uh, December 16th and 17th, um, tell your friends, your neighbors. Uh, we have uh, hopefully some flyers will come out soon uh, that we can distribute. If you want to help us distribute some flyers um, this Saturday, uh, if you can come maybe around noontime, a little afternoon. Um, we want to just get some flyers out in the community, make people aware that we're doing it. Uh, so if you can uh, help out with that, that would be great. Uh, then also for the youth, uh, we do have a couple of youth camps coming up. Uh, we have two different ones, one for the 7 through 11-year-old age group, or 12-year-old age group, and then one through 11 through 17. And so if you're interested in that, uh, I would ask the parents, just pray over that and uh, see if the Lord might have you... Um, Send your kids to camp. It's just a great time to, to kind of get away from the regular routine and give them a chance to, to make some friends, do some fun activities, uh, but then also to hear the preaching of God's Word and make important life decisions at camp. And then uh, last of all, I uh, just want to make this little announcement. Uh, our brother Eric is here. I'm glad that uh, Eric and Helga were here. Uh, we all love the Kaufmans. I think we, I can say that for the whole church. Uh, and uh, just a few weeks ago, Brother Eric gave me the privilege to sit down with him at his dining table and uh, hear his testimony. And it was a blessing how he came to, to know the Lord and how the Lord's changed his life. Uh, but I was able to record that testimony, and I've put it onto, uh, it will be coming up on my podcast, Lord willing, this Friday. So it will go out onto the, the airwaves or the online waves, whatever it is. Um, and so if you want to hear that testimony, go to the website rev411, rev411.org, and you can find the podcast there. This Friday should drop around 3 o'clock, uh, but I think it would be a blessing uh, to hear Brother Eric's testimony. 
Rev 411, that's the, the name of the podcast, and it actually comes from this verse, Revelation 411, uh, which we will read now. Revelation 411 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. As we look at this verse, let's take a moment, pause, and pray, and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts through this verse. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for bringing us here today on the Lord's Day, the day of his resurrection, in which we have the hope of eternal life. And for all who have believed in him and trusted in him and that you have received through him, uh, Lord, we rejoice in that. If there's anyone here today that doesn't know that blessed hope, the amazing joy that comes with knowing Jesus, uh, Lord, I just pray that they would be impressed in their heart today, that they would see the love and the joy of Christ in this place. And as we go to your word, we pray, Lord, we know that you've said it's quick and powerful. We know that you've said it won't return void. It will accomplish the purpose that you send it to do. And Lord, we call upon that promise today that you would use it in our hearts and our lives and that you would change us through it. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Two professors from the University of Indiana wrote an article in 2017 on how gratitude changes you and your brain. In this article, they stated that many studies have been done over the past decade, uh, but those studies, and those studies found people who consciously counted their blessings tended to be happier and less depressed. However, the studies focused on well-functioning people. These two professors decided to see how well the practice would benefit people who struggle with mental concerns. Using a group of nearly 300 adults, mostly college students who were seeking mental health counseling at a university, they randomly assigned uh, their their study participants into three groups. Uh, One group was instructed to write one letter of gratitude to another person each week for three weeks whereas the second group was asked to write about their deepest thoughts and feelings about negative experiences. The third group did not do any writing activity. What did they find? Compared with the participants who wrote about negative experiences or only received counseling, those who wrote gratitude letters reported significantly better mental health four weeks and 12 weeks after their writing exercise ended. This suggests that gratitude writing can be beneficial not just for healthy, well-adjusted individuals, but also for those who struggle with mental health concerns. And that's not all. They dug deeper into the results and they found indications of how gratitude might actually work on our minds and our bodies. For example, this is what they found. Um, Gratitude unshackles us from toxic emotion. Gratitude letter writing produces better mental health by shifting one's attention away from negative, toxic emotions such as resentment and envy. When you write about how grateful you are to others and how much others have blessed your life, it might be considerably harder for you to ruminate on those negative experiences. Gratitude is a a very healthy emotion. Uh, Gratitude writing here has been uh, shown that it, it seems to help mental health listing out things you're grateful for. But, you know, we shouldn't be surprised because the Bible has long talked about giving thanks. Uh, For example, Psalm 100, Colossians chapter 3, Psalm 136, 
all are on thankfulness. Uh, that's just a few references. The Bible references give thanks 80 different times. 80 times in the Bible that, that reference is found. Colossians chapter 3 tells us to put off the negative emotions and to put on the positive emotions. We won't take time to read that chapter, but it's interesting how thousands of years, a couple thousand years before this study was done, the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of God, already knew the power of putting off negative emotions and being grateful, putting on gratitude, those good emotions. Revelation 4.11 has a good deal, I think, to teach us about gratitude. Now, Stop with me for a second and think about the world in which we live. We live in a world that pushes this idea of affirmation, of positivity, positive thinking, right? The power of positive thinking. Have you ever heard about that? That's probably a title of a book. We live in a world that, that says that in schools you, you have to be affirming, you have to, te- you have to tell kids, be positive, and... and uh, we kind of let discipline slide to the, uh, we don't want to hinder their, their progression. We don't want to harm their mental health. So we have to be very careful. We can't discipline them the, the way, we, you know, probably should be disciplined. We live in a world that is very, very coddling to our young people, to our kids. We live in a world where uh, we are struggling with a rise in mental health. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting to me how the world we live in says, po- be positive, be positive, uh, be happy, everybody can do whatever they want, follow your dreams, just, and yet we are struggling with a mental health crisis, especially among Gen Z. They have lost their way. They, they lack purpose, they lack drive, and they lack happiness. So it seems to me that this whole emphasis on the, the Disney mindset, follow your dreams, do anything you want to do, be anything you want to be, it's not working. In fact, it's failing our generation. Why is that? I believe Revelation 4.11 helps to answer the question. Let's read that verse one more time. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. This verse tells us that God is at the center of the universe. You know what? Our world has made people, human beings, the center of the universe. The secular view has tried to put man into the position of God. And what has it led to? Lack of fulfillment, lack of joy, mental health crisis. So today we want to look at this verse. We want to try to correct this problem Revelation 4.11, it tells us that God is the one that's worthy to receive glory and honor and power. He, in other words, He is the one that is worthy of worship. He is the one that's worthy to be exalted, to be lifted up. 
So we should stop and recognize him for his power, for his majesty. As we did this morning, as we sang songs, thinking about, reflecting on how great God is and the things that he's done for us. He created the universe. He created us. That's what this verse is saying. He is worthy of our recognition, of our honor. And in that recognition, he is worthy of our heartfelt gratitude as well. Gratitude is a form of worship, a form of telling God thank you. That, that is a form of worship. So from this verse, we learn that God deserves gratitude. God deserves gratitude. Say that with me. God deserves gratitude. And there are three reasons in this verse that God deserves gratitude. First of all, God deserves gratitude, number one, because he created us. Number two, he deserves gratitude because he wanted us. And then number three, God deserves gratitude because he designed us. God deserves gratitude. But first of all, what is gratitude? Here are some quotes on gratitude. Here's a distorted view of gratitude. Gratitude is a sickness suffered by dogs. That's attributed to Joseph Stalin. Seems not, not to have a very high view of gratitude. I don't know that we should take a lot of life uh, advice from Joseph Stalin, though. Although, I, I wonder if Alfred uh, suffers from that disease. If you've ever met uh, Clint Bianca's dog, Alfred, it's a very happy dog. Uh, when eating fruit, remember the one who planted the tree. That's an old Vietnamese proverb. That's a good, that's a good reminder. Think about that. You, you go to the grocery store, pick up a, an orange off the shelf. Do you ever stop to thank the person that planted the tree, that picked the fruit, so that you could have it, buy it at the grocery store? Uh, if you can't be thankful for what you receive, then at least be thankful for what you escape. Some truth to that one. The man who forgets to be grateful, this is Robert Louis Stevenson, the man who forgets to be grateful has fallen asleep in life. That's so true, and I think that's a, a sentiment that our world needs. We live in a very entitled society, don't we? In fact, when was the last time we went to the grocery store, to the shops, and we were truly thankful for the people that work at the shop, the people that did all the processing to, to bring the food to the shop, so we would have food to eat. We feel like we just go in the shop and we buy it with our money and we, we deserve that. And if they don't give us good service, then we'll go to a different shop. You know, if you ever go to the Philippines or Honduras, as I've been to, go to some of these third world countries, and uh, many of you have, I know, you see what people go through. They don't struggle with obesity in those countries. It's hard to struggle with obesity when you eat one meal a day. When you're an orphan kid on the street in the Philippines, sleeping on the concrete in the mall, just trying to, to beg for, for your daily bread. We have so much to be thankful for here in Australia. Ian Bounds stated, Thanksgiving is the noblest expression of the noblest of the heart. 
But gratitude isn't just saying thank you. JFK said, as we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. So it's not just saying thank you, it's deeper than that. He who thanks with the lips, thanks but in part. For the full, the true thanksgiving comes from the heart. Gratitude is the appreciation of someone that we get when when someone does something kind for us. And it moves us to show that appreciation or even to return the favor. That's what gratitude is. An appreciation an appreciation that really moves us to express that emotion. God deserves gratitude. He created us. He wanted us. He designed us. Do we express our gratitude to him the way that we ought to? Let's look at Revelation 4.11 once again and use this as our outline. I've already mentioned it a few times. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. So God is worthy. God deserves our gratitude. First of all, for thou hast created all things. God created us. Let's thank God today for making us, for creating us. Are you thankful that God created you? The Bible says that God's created all things. Are you thankful for this, this world that we live in, this beautiful world that we get to enjoy? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Exodus 20, verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Now I know some would disagree with me that God created the world. There are atheists out there, secularists, that, that believe in evolution. But here's a thought for you. Gratitude is an evidence for the existence of God. Because if we lived in an atheistic, materialistic world that happened by chance, who would we give thanks to? Gratitude does not make sense in an atheistic, secular world. In fact, there was a, a study done about uh, thankfulness. Evangelical Christians, this was in the United States, 9 out of 10 would give thanks on a weekly basis. However, when atheists were polled that question, only 6 out of 10 would give thanks regularly. It's kind of interesting. The more secular the world gets, it seems the less thankful it becomes. But it's logical. If we're here on accident, why should we give thanks? But, you know, we as people, we know inside, deep down in our heart, we know that thankfulness is important. We know it's right. We know we ought to be thankful. Where does that sense come from if we're just here by accident? Well, I believe it comes from God. And so gratitude is, in, I believe, a, another evidence for the existence of God. There are many evidences. We won't get into them all today. We want to focus on gratitude. But are we thankful that God did create us? Are we thankful that he created this world, this beautiful world that we get to enjoy, the, the air that we breathe for providing the food that we are able to eat on a, a daily basis? Are we thankful that he holds the universe together? Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 through 17 says, For by him were all things created, 
that are in heaven and that are in earth. It says all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Do you realize that God holds this universe together even as we speak? The Granger College of Engineering Physics responded to 10-year-old Kevin's question, why is there gravity? They said, good question. I wish I knew, but that's the way it is. Scientists can explain lots of facts and effects of gravity and know why the earth attracts an apple and why and how it falls, but we don't know why gravity exists. I think I can tell them why. It's because God holds the universe together. God set in place all of these natural laws, these natural laws of physics, science that we see around us. Um, Again, it just doesn't make sense to me. How do you expect order to come out of an accident, out of nothing? The design that we see is a clear display that God created everything. And if God created everything, then we ought to be thankful to him for that. You know, every day, this will, this will really help your, your mental health. This will really help your spiritual growth if every day you get into the habit of thankfulness. Take some time every single day, maybe at the, in the evening, at the end of the day, put aside all the cares, all the worries. I know life is hectic. You've got a busy schedule. You've got health problems or Um, you've got issues with relationship, all that stuff, just put it aside and go out in your back garden if you have that ability and just look up at the stars, the beauty of the stars. Go out and look at your garden, look at the flowers and just spend some time being thankful to God and just spend some time talking with God. And just say, Lord, it is so good to know you. It is so good to to know Jesus Christ, the creator of this universe, the one that holds it all together. And I know if you're powerful enough to hold this whole universe together, you're powerful enough to hold my life together. Even though at times it seems like it's all flying apart and I don't know exactly what's the next step. But God, I know that you can hold me together. God deserves gratitude. Gratitude because He created us. He holds everything together. Created this whole world. Let's not forget, He created you. And God said, let us make man, human beings, in our image after our likeness. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This is the account of the creation of human beings God created us, and he created us special in his image, with his likeness. This means we have the ability to have a relationship with him. He gave us the ability, intellect, the ability to think, to learn, emotion, to love and to laugh, free will, to make choices. And he's enabled us to have a conscious, a moral compass to guide us, to, to know right and wrong, to form relationships with people, which enhance our life so much. But the deepest, the most awesome aspect to our makeup as human beings is we have the ability spiritually to relate to God, to know God. That's unlike any other aspect that we see in the animal kingdom. 
here on earth, you have the ability to know God. We're not, and we're not merely AI robots. We're human beings with a soul. Are you, think, are you thankful? Are you thankful for how God has made you, how he's created you? But you know, if God has created us, this leads to the logical conclusion that God owns us. We see that in Revelation 4.11. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things. So if God is the creator, He's also the owner of the universe. And it means He owns you as well. Again, going back to the mental health crisis that we are finding ourselves in the, in the world, in the Western world anyway, People searching for, for purpose and hope. I was watching a few videos uh, about people, and, and they're trying to find purpose. They're, they're trying to f- figure out their identity, who they are. And everybody's answer is a little different. They're searching for maybe in, well, I don't know where they're finding it. The, the people that were talking, it really, they were trying to tell us, the, the audience, how to find their purpose, how to find their identity. But it really ended, the, the conversation ended in this open-ended, like, I just accept myself for who I am. I just, and, and you can almost get a sense that they don't really know. They don't really know. My identity, I'm a creation of God, a human being made in God's image for the purpose of knowing God, loving God, and serving Him. I know who I am. I'm not lost. I'm not searching. I'm not tossed about in the the winds of everybody else's opinion about me. I'm accepted by God. That's That's a firm foundation. That's an awesome thought to know. But if that is true, and I... I know how heartily it is, then I am not my own. I do not belong to myself. I belong to God. But that is what gives me purpose. That's what gives me direction in life. Again, evolutionists would disagree. They would say, ah, oh, no, there's no God. Uh, you are able to to." Do whatever you want. You set the rules. You make the calls. But uh, I would question the scientific validity of evolution. Julian Huxley, once a leader of Darwinists, admitted that sexual freedom is a popular motivation behind evolutionary dogma. When he was asked by a talk show host, Merv Griffin, why do people believe in evolution? Huxley honestly answered, the reason we accept Darwinism even without proof, is because we didn't want God to interfere with our sexual desires. This is a so-called scientist, and he's not the only one to say things like that. You talk to the scientist, Fred Hoyle, another scientist, evolutionist, he, he began to become a proponent that aliens seeded life on earth because he said, you know, we can't figure out the origin of life scientifically. And it's just amazing to me how the media has so brainwashed 
the common culture into thinking that evolution is a scientific fact when it is just a theory at best. If we are all honest, what he's saying here is the reason these people, these scientists, embrace evolution is because they don't want to submit to the ownership of God. Because if God owns them and he's set rules into place, there is a certain pattern of behavior that they're supposed to follow. And if we're all honest, now if you would just hang with me here because this is a tough pill to swallow. But if we're all honest with ourselves, we don't want to submit to God's ownership. We don't want to submit to God's rules. We want to do things our own way. Uh, we all tend to do things our way rather than God's way, and that's called sin. That tendency to go our own way, to do the things that we want rather than what God wants. Have you ever told a lie? Dishonesty is not God's way. And yet, our culture, most people say, yeah, yeah, it's fine to lie if you have a good reason for it, or, uh, you know, just make up all these excuses about how dishonesty is okay. You go into the corporate world, it's pretty cutthroat. If the lie will help you get the deal, then sure, use the lie. You know, one thing I learned as a, as a kid, I learned that lying was not acceptable in the Zacharias household. Some of the worst punishments I got as a kid were for lying. Oh, man, let me tell you what. Um, and my dad, you did not want to mess with my dad when it came to discipline, I'll tell you that. Um, Although I did, I actually, I did get away with one. I, I, uh, I got mad one day, and I kicked the wall in our, in our hallway. I put my shoe right through the, the, the hall wall. There's a nice little hole there, you know. My dad was going to have to go. I think he ended up replacing the whole wall because that wall got kind of banged up. Um, but I told my mom I tripped, and she believed me. And then I got convicted as I got older. I was like, oh, I need to tell my mom. So I told her, but I guess the statutes of limitation had run out. So um, I, got, I got away with that one. But have you, ever told, have you ever lusted in your heart for someone or coveted something they had? Lust is not God's way. That selfishness. It, you see that n- nice, new, brand new sports car driving around? Oh, man, I wish. Why did they get to have that car? Not me. You ever thought that way? Instead of being happy? For that person? Oh, I'm, I'm glad they get, get to have that car. Have you ever had an unkind comment to another person? Unkindness is not God's way. We've all probably said something mean or unkind to someone at some point. Have you ever lived life without considering God? Even just being a good person, you say, oh, I'm a, I'm a nice person, I'm a good person, I, I, I treat people nice. But if you live without considering God in your life, you're not living in obedience and allegiance to your creator. You're still living your own way, and in effect, you're living against the one who created you. Now, if you had made a car, you, you designed and built a car. And uh, I was at uh, Faulkner and Jones one day. He showed me this beautiful design. He, he drew this design of a car, uh, very gifted in, in that artwork. Um, but say you had designed and built a car, and the car refused, sometimes it refused to drive. Uh, sometimes the, the signal indicators wouldn't work. Uh, the, the wipers didn't want to work in the rain. Uh, this car, just, it just had the, the worst attitude. It wouldn't do what it was supposed to do. As the creator, as the designer of that car, would you have the right to, to break down that car, 
to, to build it, use the parts to build something else, to, to melt it down. To, you could, as the owner, you could do whatever you wanted with that car, right? You had the ownership of that, right? You know, we are like that car. We decided to do our own thing. God said, I, I built you to do a specific purpose, to drive on the road, for the wipers to work in the rain. But we don't want to do that. We rejected God. And so God is the owner. He has every right to, to punish that car. And in fact, God, who is the CEO of the universe, maintaining the universe, he cannot let that rebellion go un, unhindered. Otherwise, it would destroy the universe. That car would go off the road. It would hit people. It would damage buildings. It would cause a lot of havoc. It would be unsafe for the riders. There would be a lot of repercussions that would happen from that car. And so God steps in and says, I can't let that go unchecked. And he says to each and every one of us, I can't let your rebellious heart go unchecked. Because you're going to damage other people. You're going to damage the universe. You're going you're to damage yourself. That car would end up totaling itself by its reckless behavior. And that's what we've done. Look around the world. We have wars going on. We have crime rising. We have, I mean, we could stand here and list all the things that are wrong with our world. Human beings, why? Because we are bent toward our own way. We're bent towards sin. And we destroy this very beautiful creation that God created. I know that's hard to swallow, but it is the truth. We have, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, we have turned everyone to his own way. Romans chapter 3, we have all gone out of the way. We have all sinned and come short of the glory, the perfection of God. As humans, we have all failed to live for God. Our goodness falls short of God's perfection. And that means we cannot live in fellowship with God. Habakkuk 1.13, Thou art of pure eyes and behold evil and canst not look on iniquity. God doesn't even want to look on iniquity. Psalm 5, 4, Thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. God will not allow sin to go unchecked, and he will not allow sin into heaven. And rightfully so, because if he allowed sin into heaven, it wouldn't be heaven anymore. It would be a nasty place just like this world. And no matter how good you are, you are not good enough for God because he's perfect and none of us measure up to perfection and so what did God do because we rejected God the giver of life he's rejected us the only alternative is death it's separation from God and that is total justice that is right again our world doesn't like to hear that our world wants to say ah no, no, that's, that's mean, that's cruel, that's harmful. But no, that, that is what's right. That is what's just. God is protecting righteousness and justice. He's protecting his people by judging sin. But you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that God, even though he's just, 
He is a God of love. He is a God of mercy. You know, some people want to get upset with God and say, God, you're a mean, judgmental bigot. And they'll call God all sorts of names. But what they do is they overlook the fact that God in his love came to this earth in the person of Jesus Christ. He lived in this sinful world. He endured the scorning, the mocking of this world. And he died. Even though he didn't deserve to, he died in our place. God took the judgment that he demands. So if you want to get upset with God, God, you're mean and you're, you're hateful because you judge people. He experienced the judgment on the cross. So it's not like he's, it's not like he's not done anything for you. For human beings. It's not like he hasn't experienced the pain and the hardship and the, and the judgment himself. And why did Jesus do that? He experienced that judgment so that God could, in his justice, maintain justice in the universe. But at the same time, so he could offer forgiveness to those who would come to Jesus Christ. And so God, in his brilliant wisdom, maintains perfect justice and offers free, giving, merciful love. And what he, what he demands from us is not for us to become a church member, not to become a religious person, not to become... Uh, a charitable organizer. What does he demand from us? The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. What is the foundation of any relationship? Trust. It's trust. And that's what God wants. He wants you to trust him. When the very first humans, Adam and Eve, sinned in the garden, they disobeyed God, why did they sin? Well, one of the reasons they sinned is because they didn't trust God. The devil told them, ah, has God really said this? Nah, that's, that's not true. So when they stopped trusting God, they started trusting other things, their relationship broke. What mends that relationship? Coming back to God in trust. And so if you will trust that God is real and that he, through Jesus Christ, has died on the cross for your sin, paid the penalty of your sin, so that you could be restored to a right relationship with him, if you'll trust him, he will grant you the gift of eternal life. He will restore your relationship with God. And that's the most beautiful thing I have in my life, and I know many of you have in your life. Regardless, whatever happens, we rest in Christ, the God of the universe. And we know that regardless of what happens in this, in this world, 
we have a home in heaven to be with him. I can talk to God today in my up days, my down days, when things are going good, when things are going bad. I can ask him for help in, in, in problems. I can, I can experience joy with him. And regardless of what happens, circumstances up and down, I know God. And I know my destiny. You can have that same assurance in your life today if you'll admit, admit to God that you're a sinner, that you have gone your own way. Acknowledge that Jesus died for your sins, but he rose again, proving he's God and that he can give you the life that he promises. He can save you from your sin today and he can give you the hope of heaven in the future. And then accept Accept Jesus today. If you, if you trust him, if you believe, just tell him. And he'll welcome you into his family. Admit, acknowledge, accept. It's that admit part. Coming to terms with God, admitting I'm a sinner, I'm wrong. And then trusting, acknowledging, trusting that he has given himself for you. I'm so thankful to be owned by Jesus Christ. Not just as part of his creation, but also spiritually. I'm owned as his child through faith in him. God deserves gratitude for offering us forgiveness of sin. The best way to show gratitude to God is to accept that offer of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. So God deserves gratitude because he created us. He owns us. But he also deserves gratitude because he wanted us. Look back to verse 11 of Revelation 4. It says, Thou thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. God has created us, and he created us because he wanted to. For his pleasure means that God created us because it pleased him to. He wanted to. So get this. Realize this, God wants each and every one of you. That's such an awesome thought when you think about it. God wanted and he wants us. That means you're valuable. You have purpose. God loves you. Many people in our world feel unvalued. The World Health Organization reported that 700,000 people commit suicide every year. In Victoria, a total of uh, 764 suspected suicide deaths occurred in 2022. 764 Victorians, people here in Victoria, did not feel that their life was worth living. They didn't feel valued. I don't know, there could be somebody in this room today that you don't feel valued. I want to reassure you, God values you. And if you are struggling with those thoughts, if you are contemplating, God forbid, but you're contemplating suicide, then come talk to me, to pastor. Uh, We want to help you. We want you to know your life matters. And you you matter to us. You matter to God. And we want to help you. We want to support you. Uh, New research by Age Scotland. I know we have a couple of Scotlanders here with us. Um, New Age Scotland revealed that only one in five older people, 21%, feel valued. 
while more than a third feel a burden to society. 51% said, uh, of 50 and over said older people are not valued for their contribution to society. 21% uh, said that older people were valued while 25% didn't know. 36% believed that they were made to feel a burden to society. You know, the Bible teaches that age is to be respected and valued. The glory of young men is their strength. The beauty of old men is the gray head, Proverbs 20, 29. We've got some gray heads in here. Uh, that's the glory of the old man. Uh, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head, the white head, and honor the face of the old man, Leviticus chapter 19, 20, uh, 32. That was in the Old Testament law that they were to honor the aged men. Hearken unto thy, thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Proverbs 23, 22. We are to honor those who have, have lived life, that have achieved that, that older age status. God values that. He values the wisdom that comes with those years of experience in life. How about the unborn? Our world does not appreciate does not value all the time the unborn. I know that abortion is legal here in Australia. I believe every state uh, has abortion. Um, here's a little bit from an article I saw. However, uh, with, this is a, an Australian university, uh, I think, putting this out. However, with the recent Roe v. Wade overturning in the United States, not to mention the ensuing surge of trigger, trigger laws in more than half a dozen U.S. states, the bar has been set pretty low, talking about uh, abortion rights. Uh, the legality of abortion in Australia, this is what it says, is cause for celebration. Certainly, that is a horrendous statement. Think about how we don't value human life in the womb. You know, I read a book after the, uh, the Roe v. Wade ruling in the U.S., and the abortion issue, it really boils down to this. What is the unborn? What is the unborn? Is it a human being, or is it not? If it's not a human being, then sure. If it's just an animal, uh, what makes it any different than, than killing a chicken to eat a chicken? But if it is a human being, it's a totally different matter. You know what the, the pro-choicers will say? Oh, that life in the womb, it's not sentient. It doesn't have self-awareness. It's not conscious or whatever. So it's not, it's not really human life. Well, let me ask you this. Is a five-day-old five baby sentient? Where does the logical progression stop? How old does a kid have to be before it's sentient, before it has self-awareness? Look, the fact of the matter is, that baby in the womb is a human life. I mean, however you want to look at it, it is a human being. Again, what does the Bible say? Psalm 139, verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, my thoughts. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Jeremiah 1, 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. God cares about every individual human life. doesn't matter if it's in the womb or out of the womb. God values those who are in the womb. 
So let it be, let it be known God values you. If you're living here today, you're a human being, God values you immensely. And again, God showed how much he values us because he died for us on the cross. One pastor has said it, Jesus Christ didn't die for junk. You value, you, you matter, you are valued by God. It says, for his pleasure they are and were created. This means we have meaning. We were created by a God of purpose. God is very purposeful, very intentional. And so that means God, we were created by a God on purpose for a purpose. Each and every one of us, we have a meaning to our life. We have a purpose for our life. We don't just exist to take up space. What is that purpose? Number one is to worship God. Verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Worship. So our, our primary purpose is to worship God. But it's also to work for God. If you go back to Genesis chapter 2, we see that God created man and he put him into a garden. He told him to dress and to keep the garden, to cultivate it, to work in the garden. He said that man should be, have dominion over the earth, to, to, to be a steward, to be a caretaker over the world. That was our purpose, to serve God. It, by, by extension, our purpose is to serve God, to work for Him. And you know, it doesn't matter if you're just a, a street cleaner, a garbo man. If that's what God created you to be, then do it to the best of your ability, and you are accomplishing your purpose. And that's a great thing. You don't have to be like these Gen Zers. They go to work and they oh, I don't have any purpose. I don't, I don't feel any meaning. No, you have purpose. If you're doing what God created you to do, gifted you to do, then that's great. Uh, Tim, I keep going back to this, but the, the birthday party we have with Golda, she's 38, 30, 38 year old, year, years old. She has Down syndrome. Uh, so obviously she's, she's limited in what she can do, her processing, um, she needs help, you know, with different things. But, you know, God has a purpose and has used her in her life. Oh, man, I, I, that was such a, a fun evening. And, and her straightforwardness. Uh, and the, just to see, like, she just go up to Tim, and she just loves Tim. She's be hugging Tim. She's so thankful for Tim. And she's just willing to express her, uh, you know, we as adults, we should be more like that to express our, our love, our, our thanks, our gratitude for other people. What is it? We, we grow up, we become adults, and we get all reserved and dignified. and You know? It was just good to see that simple, sweet spirit that Golda had. And you know, the world would look at Golda, ah, she's not, she, she would have been advised to be aborted. Right? She, she's going to be a... a uh, a hindrance to convenient life, or, or uh, she's not going to be a, a help to society, so her value is, is limited. God values her. He loves her. And she has made a difference. We probably won't know until heaven how many lives she has touched, how many lives God has used her to influence. God wants each and every one of us God loves you. He values you. He wanted you. 
So God deserves gratitude because he created us. He deserves value because he wanted us. And then finally, he deserves value because he designed us. Again, it says, for thy pleasure they are and were created, designed. Psalm 139, again, it says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Wonderfully, like, how can we comprehend all those DNA and genes and everything coming together like that? The information in the DNA alone is mind-boggling. Are you thankful for how God designed you? You know, again, we live in a world that says you can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. And we've even taken this to contradict biology. And it's leading to mental health crisis. It's leading to, to people destroying their body and coming to regret it. Listen to the testimonies out there. It's not good because we're not designed to be that way. It's harmful. And, you know, we are really ought to feel sorry for people that have been told that the you can live different than your biology. They're going to really do drastic harm to themselves. I'm thankful that God made me the way he made me. You know, would I like to be better at music? Sure. Would I like to be a better athlete? Sure. But you know what? This is how God made me. So I'm thankful for how God made me. I'm thankful for the talents, the abilities that he's given me. And I'm thankful for the, the life experiences, the circumstances that I've been able to, to have that have helped to develop me as a person. I'm thankful for his mercy that has brought me through a lot of mistakes that I've made. You know, are you thankful for how God made you or do you beat yourself down? Are you, are you ungrateful? Do you wish you were different? Someone once said, gratitude is seeing what is there instead of what isn't. I guess it's that old mindset. Do you look at the cup half full or half empty? Another one said, to be upset over what you don't have is to waste what you do have. Yeah, sure, I would like to be a better musician. But I'm not going to let that desire cause me to waste the gifts that I do have developing the strengths that I do have. You might have heard the story about Amy Carmichael, a famous missionary to India who rescued young girls from, from temple prostitution. Uh, she was discontent as a young girl because she had brown eyes. She grew up in, she was Irish, she grew up in the UK. She wanted, she wanted blue eyes, beautiful blue eyes, but she had brown eyes. Well, she came to realize when she moved to India that having those brown eyes helped her to fit in better in India. It helped her be more effective in ministry in India. And you know, she came to realize that God had a plan. God had a purpose for those brown eyes. And here's an important principle. Understanding of purpose creates gratitude. When we understand what God's trying to do, when we finally get it, that helps us to be grateful for what God's doing in our life. A lot of times when we're going through a trial, when we're going through a difficulty, we, we're tempted to complain. We're tempted to think, why am I going through this again? 
But when we come out of it, when we come through and we look back and we see what God did in our heart, we're thankful. Because we see what God was doing. So I want to encourage you, are you going through some trials in your life right now? Is there something in your life that you wouldn't consider optimal? Consider this. What is God trying to accomplish in your life? And he might very well be doing something that you'll look back on and you'll say, I am very thankful, in fact, that he allowed that circumstance in my life so I could grow in that way. I'm thankful for the way God designed me. I'm thankful, again, for the identity that I have in Jesus Christ. Not only has he designed me physically, but also spiritually. He is recreating me. I messed up. I went my own way. We talked about the sin part of things. But now Jesus is in my life because I've invited him into my life. And he's changing me from that old, sinful, selfish person to a new creation. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. To be a light. To be an encouragement in this world. And God wants to do the same thing in your life. And if you know him, he is working in your life. If you don't, invite him into your life and he'll begin the work. I can guarantee it. I don't know if this was the Thanksgiving message that I would have chosen to speak on. I wasn't as uplifting as I, I personally wanted to be. I wanted to do one of those inspirational kind of just a bunch of nice pithy quotes and oh, just the fluffy, warm, yeah, everybody leaves just all nice and happy. I know I touched on some pretty, pretty deep things here. Sin, abortion, some weighty topics. But I believe that if we're to be truly grateful, first of all, we must understand that there is a God. Because without God, there's no reason to be grateful. And Revelation 4.11, it says that God is the creator. He's here. And if we're to be truly grateful, we must come underneath his rule. So again, if you don't know Christ, I strongly encourage you to consider Christ. Because in Christ, you will begin to experience the life of gratitude. Going back to Brother Eric, the conversation that we had that day around your dining table, the gratitude that he has for Jesus Christ, the change that he experienced in his life because of Jesus Christ. So beautiful. And I want each and every one of you to at least have the opportunity to embrace for yourself that beautiful life in Jesus. And experience
me and with many here that wonderful life of gratitude. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. Father, I just pray that you would help us to meditate, to reflect upon this, this truth of Scripture that you created us. You deserve gratitude because you created us, you wanted us, and you've designed us. And Lord, it's really only when we embrace those fundamental, those foundational truths that we can really begin to experience gratitude. And it all begins with you. Father, you know that that is the reason why this text was chosen today, because it was the desire to exalt you. To exalt you as creator, to exalt you as the the one source of life. But Father, we're so thankful that if we truly do exalt you to what you should be, you are more than loving and kind and gracious to lift us up out of the, the troubling world that we find ourselves in and lift us out of even the own sin that resides in our own hearts. So Father, I just ask that your spirit would move among us, that you would take the word of God as you've promised And help each and every one of us here today to draw closer to you as our creator and as our savior. As you remain in a prayerful posture, I'm going to ask Sarah to begin playing a hymn. And I just want to ask you to take a moment to reflect, to give thanks, to consider Christ if you've never trusted in him. I don't know what your personal needs are, but you can talk to God about that right now. So take some time to reflect, to give thanks. Thank you once again, everyone, for being here today, and uh, I hope that we'll carry this thought with us throughout the week, and that we will truly be thankful 
and look for ways to be thankful to God each and every day.